Welcome to the Noise Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about some fun stuff. I think this topic isn't talked about as much as I think that I would uh, like it to be talked about, and it's creative direction. So specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, what a creative director does, uh, what I've done in the past uh, for Facer as a creative director, uh, and kind of go off the beaten path a little bit and talk about uh, like all the nuances of, of doing that too. So uh, with me here is the co-host, Louis. Louis, uh, hey, how are you? Good, good. How you doing? I'm good, actually. This is something you don't know, but today's actually my birthday. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, Louis. It's my birthday today, and I wouldn't want to be spending it any other way. All right. Cool, man, doing a podcast on Louis' birthday. This is his present to himself. It makes it very special. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Right, let's dive in. Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's dive into the world of creative directorship, mm-hmm. and I, th- I don't think we've got Many more people who have had such a broad experience to that as a practice as you, especially when you sort of worked for agencies, you've worked in-house, you've worked for massive companies, little companies, mm. um, and you've, you've sort of seen various industries as well. And yeah. I think to, to kick things off, really, I'd like to get your own definition about what, what it is a creative director, what do they do? So the, and this is funny because um, I went into this role thinking that a creative director did a very specific set of things. But that was definitely not true. So um, I, I think it depends on where you're at, what company you're at. It's going to depend on like the the gamut of things that they give you, right? So uh, if you're at a smaller company, I imagine creative directors are kind of like touching all of the things, right? They're going to be touching the brand. They're going to be touching uh, like all the app design stuff. If you're an app studio, you know, if you're more on the creative ad side or the media side, you know, they might be uh, checking out some of your advertisements, the videos that you're making, uh, commercials, whatever that might be. Uh, but it's I, I feel like it's different everywhere you go. So in the past, uh, I used to work on cars and the, the creative director there was he, he did a little bit. Uh, I mean, it was it was more of like overseeing things and it was like very specific to just that project, too. But, you know, like you, like I said earlier, if you go to a smaller company, you might be touching more things like the brand. You're going to be touching like all sorts of different things, too. And everybody kind of has like a different definition of it, too. So it's it's pretty interesting, too. I went into it thinking it was going to be one thing when it's really, you know, depends on where you go. That sounds very similar to almost every single job title in the design industry in that I could be a UI designer working on an app or a game or a website or an e-commerce store. And it's as you said, nuanced according to where you are. For me, I think that creative directorship is someone who does have that oversight about strategy and not just about the pixels on the screen. Sure. And they're the, they're the kind of person at the back supporting the team and saying, we're going to hit this goal and we're going to do it this way. I tr- I'm trusting you guys to you guys to get it done. Um, is that something you see yourself uh, being naturally good at or do you, have you struggled with that as a something to be able to do? It's, it's funny because um, I think that personality-wise, I'm a little bit more introverted than a lot of creative directors or art directors. Uh, so I had to learn a lot of like the social side of skills is like, you know, how to communicate, how, you know, when you have interns, how do you kind of give them the correct direction? How yeah. do you make sure that they're satisfied in, in their role that, you know, they're doing too? Because depending again on where you're at, what company you're at, sometimes that falls on you, sometimes that falls on your boss, sometimes it falls on, you know, the CEO really depends. So um, it's it's really interesting when, when you look at... Uh, 
like the the different like skill sets that you have to have so you do have to have that like 10,000 foot view of the, of the entire brand you know like yeah. the the entire app or the company and you have to have these higher goals kind of like like you were saying where you're you have to look at it from a very high level and then kind of like let it trickle down so you 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 do touch a lot of things so you might kind of help out with the brand strategy or like the actual app strategy itself you know how do you acquire users uh how are you going to do that creatively like where do you go to acquire users where do you go to acquire you know more employees it's like it, you're kind of like weaved into like all parts of like the the creative process and that's uh, yeah. that's the way i like it i'd like to do a bit of a dive into the face story and wonder and work out whether all this direction and sort of guidelines and brand voice was established before you arrived or is that something you had to work a lot on with yourself yeah, so they uh, basically what they had was they had an app that they bought from um, a college student. Um, and then uh, what they did was they converted it basically into like a bigger app. They, they did a lot of advertising, they did a lot of pushing. So there was um, like a, a vague brand there already. It was really weak when I got there. Um, and so when I when I came in, that was like one of my first tasks was basically to rebrand the app to make it look a little bit you know fresher, to make it not look so aggressive because it was very like male oriented and we wanted to try to yeah. go towards like the female market. So we softened up the logo. We basically went through like a ton of iterations. We had a bunch of different designers doing them. We outsourced a few. I tried to, you know, throw in a few into the bucket too. Um, and then we finally had, you know, like a third person kind of come in too. So we had him do some designs. That was the ultimately the one that we went with. Um, yeah. So yeah, there was, uh, we, we definitely started out kind of like, didn't really have a brand vision for it just yet. The uh, CEO was really, really great in that he kind of like trusted us to kind of go in and like rebrand everything. And he knew that brand was like a very strong thing, something that we did have to push on too. So, so that was nice too. Cause a lot of times you can go into companies and they just, they don't want to push that. I was just about to say this, that exact thing in that a lot of companies, unfortunately don't value the, the quality of the brand or value design as a practice in general. And uh, a lot of the job I've found in my history is actually just coming up with a case and justifying why you think we need to be working on. Why do we need to redesign the website? And you need to come up and say, well, in order to, for us to meet this target, we need to be able to look a certain way. And customers actually do respond to that. So Absolutely. have you had a lot of experience, not necessarily just with face of it in your broader career about having to become that sort of point person for why design is important? Oh, absolutely. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure you can kind of relate with this is you're constantly trying to convince people that, that you need these like really fine details in the design, right? Like, like when I was, my first part of my career was like a lot of like convincing people that we needed, you know, UX designers, that UX was really like a thing we needed, especially in gaming. I feel like UX is kind of like, you know, it's, it's like the last step. It's, you know, it's kind of not really thought about. So every time I've gotten into like a gaming company, it's always been like a hard push, except for the last company that I've been at. So they, they've been really good about like understanding like the, the I guess the value of having uh, user experience design and like looking at things from like a higher philosophical view too. And that's why I think that, that I like this so much is because you're thinking about it from a very broad perspective. You're not just saying like, oh, we're selling these features. Like you're, you're selling a feeling, right? Like, like Nike, yeah. the reason why Nike can charge double what the second brand can is because they're the number one brand, right? Like people are buying like that gut feeling that they get, that feeling of like, oh, if I wear these shoes, I'm going to be able to slam dunk, right? Like it's that like <laughs> yeah. overall, like, like you feel awesome when you put on a pair of Nikes. So it's, it's pretty interesting the way that um, 
like that affects our psycho- psychology too when we purchase things and i'm a firm believer in like the next like five to ten years if you don't have a strong brand like your your company is just gonna die because what's happening is everything's getting decentralized it's getting very easy for anybody to just kind of like trickle up right there's no more gatekeepers there's no more uh these guys in these studios that are saying you know what ads get put on tv what ads don't get put on tv and the only way you're going to stand out is with your brand so it's such an important thing and it's only going to be exponentially more important now that everything's getting decentralized just as a a kind of follow-up to the previous question but building on what you just said do you think that designers at the highest level need to also be excellent marketers i think that um it really again this depends on what company you're at i think understanding marketing and being able to like empathize with with marketers whether you're doing it yourself or there's you know marketing team i think that you there, there has to be a side of you that understands that you have to sell this product right like when you look at this classic example elon talks about it um where there was there was uh there was Tesla and then there was um, Edison, right? And you had Tesla that was like, he was, he was a genius. He was brilliant. He was like, came up with way more original like inventions than, than Edison. But guess what? Edison was way better at marketing those ideas. So he brought them to market and he was able to build this empire and to like light all these cities. Right. Whereas like Tesla would have just probably sat in this like laboratory, just kept on creating things and nobody would have known about him. Right. So it's like, there's, there's two sides of that, right? Like you, you, you have to like have this push for creativity, but you also have to understand that you need to spread that to other people. And you need to have that understanding of like how to do that thing too, and be able to empathize, you know, with a marketing team or with, with your end users, if you're doing the marketing. Yeah. And I think that these skills that we're sort of loosely talking about sort of marketing and being a good salesperson not directly but being able to convince people that this is the right thing to do are skills that you need to think creatively about anyway mm-hmm. regardless of whether you're a designer or a salesperson or a marketer you need to have these solutions to how are people going to buy our product sure and you need to think think more left field and come mm-hmm. up with the solutions that people other people aren't going to do and then you're going to win in air quotes but you know that's what everybody's that's what everyone's after and I, I kind of, uh, it makes me feel a bit weary when I think about that as a requirement for designers or people in general, because it sort of leads a certain, or is it more attractive to a certain personality type? And I'm wondering whether the people who aren't like that can see themselves succeeding or how different they have to be to reinvent the industry so it's not like that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two directions, right? Like you either have to be able to sympathize with other people or you have to be good at it yourself, I think. And I think it's super incredibly important to even have, like you you need to have those people that understand the marketing side. So there's there's really only two paths in, in, in my eyes. is like you either need to outsource it to somebody else or you need to be able to empathize with people and be able to do it yourself too. Yeah, and that's sort of one of the main components of this role or being a, a good employee in general is collaboration yeah. and being ac- accepting of the fact that you need other people to help you and you're mm-hmm. not going to achieve it yourself you're not going to achieve it just with your team and uh again that point person for strategy and direction alongside other people is what's going to make your company a success absolutely yeah and I, and i think on top of that too to add to that is like you know talking about the empathy thing is like understanding that you know sometimes you have to listen more than you talk you have to be able to like hear somebody's side of something right you can't just 
hear something and then immediately just react to that thing and and not think about you know where they're coming from and only be pushing your ideas like that's only going to lead to basically you're going to fail at what you're doing in in my opinion because you're not you're not open to like maybe being wrong or to to seeing something a new way or being able to try something new right because everything's changing so fast that we have to be like open to being able to like bring in new input right because you know it's it's instagram right now before that it was facebook before that it was myspace before that it was you know live journal and and you have to know where that that attention is and you have to know where where to like listen to people right because like we're kind of getting in that generation where we're now uh we we kind of grew up with the internet like at least i i like was right on the threshold i remember right where the internet came out and that completely changed everything and i don't think people have like calibrated their brains quite to the fact that everything changes so fast and this this skill of being able to listen and to empathize is like so incredibly important like i don't and it's gonna get worse right i i guarantee it when when everybody in the world has phones and access to internet you know we're, we're getting close to that already but when everybody does like it's it's just going to get exponentially worse because you're going to have to cut through all those people and if you're not listening to what people actually want you're just going to be selling to yourself yeah just uh being more specific about the creative director gritting as a as a job do you think that having that broader scope and those strategy and creative thinking skills are actually more important than having the hands-on tools skills you know what honestly part of me does feel that because i i it's it's kind of like generating ideas sometimes is a lot harder than executing the ideas like being able to live in your mind's eye and to be able to like close your eyes be able to see something in your head to me uh at least is is a harder skill to like teach people something like photoshop like you can literally learn Photoshop in a weekend yeah, if you really, exactly. really want to try. Like those skill sets are just like, they're throwaways, right? It's it's Photoshop now. It's going to be, you know, whether it's not Photoshop, it's going to be Photoshop like version 200.3 <laughs> by the time, you know, like later on. So it's, it's always going to be something new you have to learn. And so those skill sets like, yeah, like you have to know and understand how to use like the basic tool sets. So you know how to like art direct people to say like, hey, we might want to try to do this in Cinema 40 versus in Photoshop and they're you know, really crummy version of like 3D stuff. Like you have to have a basic understanding and be able to speak the language, in my opinion, with like, I, I mean, it kind of goes back if, if I rewind a little bit to, to like web stuff too, right? Like you have to understand coders and you have to understand some code to be able to communicate your designs to them. So if somebody's like, oh, you can't do this thing, you can say like, hey, you know, CSS has this property that allows you to do, yeah. um, you know, this weird morphing thing with these filters and blah, blah, blah. Like if you have that understanding, you can kind of catch things and be more creative. So I do think you have to have like a, a level of understanding. I don't think you have to have 100% proficiency because you can just outsource this, outsource that stuff, right? Like you don't have to do those things by yourself. Yeah, more more specifically to my own experience as uh hiring junior designers i or reject or bat back any questions that are about the tools and say please stop thinking about what tools you need to learn Mm -hmm. it's not important we can teach you those or you can learn them in your own time very easily it's more about how you approach a problem Mm. and the solutions that you have for those problems and you're going to have that as a raw talent yeah we should be allowed to let that flourish yeah, how how do you approach that? I'm kind of curious how how you kind of approach designers when when they do kind of say like you know like what tools do I need? How do I 
how do I get this idea out of my head, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are, maybe some, what are some typical questions that you get? And maybe what are some like responses to those questions? Pretty much, pretty much what tools should I be using? <laughs> or yeah. I've, been, I've been practicing this tool. Is that okay with you? And I say, don't worry about it. Honestly, it's not important. Mm. If that's sure. what you want to use to achieve the solution, uh, please go ahead. But mm-hmm. we have our own tools that we use and you can learn them very quickly. If what you're using at the moment is, well, the, most tools are very similar anyway. So you can sort of sidestep to learn what we're doing. Or if there's integrations, we can do that. Or, you know, I'm not going to reject something. Mm-hmm. I'll just coach you along the way to get to the point where you're integrated with our systems. Yeah, yeah. Because every company, every company needs rigidity. And sure. you need to have your own libraries and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every, well, most companies do it slightly differently. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're open and not locking yourself into something you're going to be adaptable to each situation Mm, yeah yeah and it's it's funny because it's it feels like our school system are is backwards it for the past hundred years we've been teaching people how to build railroads but instead we need to teach them how to come up with the idea of a train right it's it's this weird backwards thing that's happening and it's why you know people like me and and i'm sure yourself we we learn most of our skills from the internet Right. Like we we didn't learn most of our stuff from school. We went on the Internet. And we're, we're reading about things. We're trying to find what the newest, you know, latest way of like coming up with an idea. Like, is it a mind map? Is it some sort of inspiration board? Is it a mood board? Like, how are people getting these ideas that like those are the things that are, in my opinion, the most important part, because they come up with these higher level ideas that that are hard to create in a. And I guess a creative way that kind of like catches people's attention because anybody can go and like use Photoshop and just, you know, learn this stuff. But like the hard stuff, like we were talking about earlier, is, is coming up with these ideas. So I feel like even school right now is is kind of backwards. And it's it's really interesting to me because I'm honestly I'm a firm believer that the college system is probably going to die within probably our, our generation. And the only yeah. colleges that are going to be left are like some of the top tier colleges, because like literally the they just teach these weird archaic skills that just nobody is going to use. And then the economy is going to collapse eventually on the back of all this debt. And then what's going to happen? People are going to point to the schools and they're going to be like, why did I, why did I go to school when I had the internet literally in my pocket and I could have just looked up all this stuff on my own time and learned specifically the things that I needed. Cause I can't tell you like how many times I was in school and they tried to teach me print design and I was like, I don't want to learn print design. Mm-hmm. I want to learn about like how to come up with an idea or, or I want to learn about like user interface and they're like, what's user interface. I'm like, Oh man, this yeah. is <laughs> it's just, interesting. just for reference, the UK system is very similar. And mm. when I was studying, I was being taught things that were at least five years out of date. Sure. And trying to get an internship or a job based off that very specific niche, old hat knowledge. It's yeah. pretty difficult. I had to sort of self-teach my, <laughs> I was self-teaching at university yeah, to make sure I could do something afterwards. And unfortunately, people who don't do that are getting left behind. Absolutely. So back to the question about the tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Us in our sort of experienced positions can say, don't worry about it. But when you're in that position, you're, you're thinking, oh, oh man, I, I really need to learn something. So you can, but again, you said you can go on the internet. You can find out what we're using. Yeah. You can practice it in your own time. You can do your own self-initiated projects, and then you can be boosted up by when you do get a shot, do get an internship, or do get an interview somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the trouble a lot of people are forced into thinking that they need to list all these tools in their CV. 
or the resume sure. and say, hey, I could do all this stuff. Is that, well, yeah, sure. Uh, but what are you doing with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think that the like certain level of proficiency in certain you know industries, like if you're in VFX, like you pretty much need to know probably a 3D program, you know, just to be able to like round yourself out. You need to know After Effects yeah. to be able to do yeah. all this. It, like there are base level apps that you do need to learn, but I mean in the UI world, it's a little bit looser, right? Like you can use Sketch exactly. if you want, you can use Illustrator if you want, you can use Photoshop if you want. They all output the same thing. I can work just as fast in Photoshop as somebody else can in Sketch. You know, it has a, little, a few more features and stuff like that, too. And and I also don't like putting myself in a box of, like, flat design, um, which yep. is – I it's kind of interesting because I feel like Sketch is, like, pushing in that direction forever. And, like, Photoshop yeah. doesn't really put me in that box. So it's kind of nice to be able to kind of, like, you know, play around with shapes and be able to play around with different ways of designing other than, you know, this, like, very rigid, like, okay, you got to do it this way. Boxes on boxes on boxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like like I said, there there's like a lo- base level, I think, that you have to understand stuff. Like you need to know, you know, at least a program, right? Like you can't sketch everything on paper, right? So, I mean, at least now, like there might, there are some apps coming out where you can literally sketch stuff and it will make a UI for you. And I, I do believe that's the direction a lot of UI design yeah. is going to go. It's going to get very algorithmic and a lot of our jobs as they exist right now are not going to exist the same way in like five to 10 years. And a lot of people yeah. fight me on this, but I'm going to stand my ground. And I think honestly, hundred percent sure that like, like even my, my job as like a basic app UI designer, I feel like that's going to get overtaken in a few years because you're going to be able to push this out into like some machine learning. It's going to be able to do all your AB tests. It's going to have a repository of like 10,000 different UIs. And then it's going to pick the right one because it's tested it and it's, it's thorough. Right. And then the humans come through and this is where I think the human uh, touch is going to be needed, but they're going to come through and be like, you know, we need to push this a little this direction or this a little this direction. And then it's going to get a lot of the hard work out of the way. So it's, it's definitely going to change. Um, and we're, I don't think we're going to see it the same way we see it now, obviously, but yeah, just the- yeah, we're, we are straddling a very dangerous path of templatizing, templatizing everything yeah. in the, uh, with two very strong iOS, uh, app- OS's, iOS and Android, mm-hmm. and then them forcing their own design systems and languages on our own thought processes. Yeah. We only really need to think about the flows and the strategy. Sure. And you could push an app out in that native style and it'd be a success. And and this is also another, another interesting thing that, uh, so Little Labs is the place that owns uh, Facer. So when we were there, one thing that was really hard for me to adjust to was the speed at which they put everything out at. It was crazy. Like I, I love polishing stuff. I love making stuff like, you know, pixel perfect and everything is just like fine tuned and I picked the perfect thing for this thing. And like video games, they kind of let you do that. App design is completely opposite. So it was really interesting how I had to kind of adjust and like let go of a lot of like my my like need to to have everything pixel perfect or have everything kind of like you know uh, aligned perfectly and like I don't know it was it was just crazy and and so you have to basically push out a lot of these ideas to test the ideas and then when one bubbles up to the surface then you're like okay that's a winner let's spend a little bit more time on that so it's really smart the way that a lot of these places work you just Sometimes it's a little bit of a gamble too, because you know if you, a lot of your ideas aren't aren't landing because you know maybe you'd spent it, it's it's like a there's a, definitely a threshold because you can spend a little, uh, little, how do I put it? You either don't put enough time into something or you put too much time into it. So there's like a sweet yep. spot in the middle of like okay, it's polished enough to look 
good enough for people to want to download, but you haven't polished it to the level where you're like spending, you know, three weeks on this one like screen or, you know, this one section of the app. Like it's like you got like one to two days to design this thing out and like push it out and then get onto the next thing because you have, you know, a list of like a thousand different things. Cause you look at that burn down chart and you're like, if we don't get something that's not, you know, that's not a, that is a hit, I should say, then, you know, that burn down chart is pretty scary. Yeah. I think the, product process can be scary for people who are of that mindset. Mm-hmm. And my my main piece of advice for anyone who's trying to design in that product world is don't get too attached to your work. Be happy Absolutely. to throw things away. Be happy to, to turn something around in half an hour and it work or spend a week on it because it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You need to be that flexible and have that, that curiosity and a desire to learn about the user first and not about what you're thinking is the best thing. Yeah. Do you remember when that switch happened in you? I'm always curious about that. I think that because I've mostly worked as the solo designer in companies my entire career, I've been forced to be rough, rough and ready Mm, and get things to 80, get things to 80% because the last 20%, no one really cares apart from you. Absolutely. And you're going to make, you're going to get the product out quicker. You're going to make more sales because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, you know, yeah. and uh, that that last those last little touches can actually prevent something from going live. Sure, sure, yeah. And there's that what the the eighty twenty rule, right? Where like twenty percent of the, or you get eighty percent of the output from twenty percent of the work yeah. too. A lot of times, yeah. I think that that's how it goes. You guys might have to fact check that, but um, there there's something where where basically you don't have to put as much time into something as you think you do. Like a lot of times, you should just put more volumes of things out and then test those things, see what works, and then loop those back in. And that's kind of the way that I've been approaching a lot of my Instagram accounts. So like yeah. one of them gets something like 3 million views in a week. Like it's insane. And it's because I've done this testing approach where I, I put all this content out, you know, I was, I was putting up to like 10 posts a day at one point. I figured out which ones were doing the best. And then I just started posting again back to like once a day because uh, it tend to work best that way, but I, I figured out which posts were the ones that were doing well. And the app world is the same way, right? Like you put all these apps out and you see which one kind of hits. If one is like, you know, catching more attention than one of the other ones, then you kind of like work on that one. You keep building it up. And sometimes it's, you know, your original idea. That's kind of what happened with Facer is like Facer, the app itself was like the strongest one. And so they refocused on that. And that ended up being like, I guess the one, you know, the, the one that was like doing the best. So yeah you've got to also be very mindful that it's you've got incremental value the more work you produce the better your decision making gets Absolutely. the more you can rely on the history historical success of all your decisions and then you're ultimately going to be able to do things a lot quicker a lot faster and mentor people based off your experience and that's what brings you back to this creative strategist creative director role because mm-hmm. you've had you've seen it you've seen yep. what works based on real things Yeah. And this is like the biggest mistake that I feel like new designers make is they don't output enough crappy design that like um, they they basically don't don't put out enough concepts. Right. That's that's like number one mistake. Just put out a hundred of them. We understand like as creative directors and art directors that you're not going to be putting out, you know, Facebook level design on every single one. You just got to put out a hundred of them because the first ninety nine are going to be terrible. And then number 100 is going to be the one that is going to be like the winner. Or you'll pull something out of number 100 and bring it into, you know, number 50 or number yes. 60 too. Yeah, it's uh, that it goes back to what I was saying about 
being happy to let things go. Mm-hmm. And your first version in your mind is perfect. Absolutely. But once you've got real data in there, once your real people have seen it, that's going to have to change, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of whether it looks great or not, Absolutely. it works and, it, and it's live. In a really good and way. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say like a really quickly, a really good way of, of being able to test this is like, if you're a designer out there, just do 100 designs. And then when you get to 100, look at design number one. And I guarantee you, every single one of you is going to look at number one and be like, wow, what was I thinking? Even though you thought yep. that that was the best one. And it always happens. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was just uh, looping it back to something we were sort of touched on a few times that all these skills about judgment and predict, uh, working towards the future and incremental value and all this kind of stuff for someone at a senior level as a designer, these skills are really difficult to prove or to get down on paper. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of a feeling that you get and it ultimately informs your confidence in your work. Sure. And it does actually make writing your resume pretty hard as someone who has experience because most people actually just judge you on the pixels. Yeah. But that's yeah. sort of an, in- an industry problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is actually possibly why a lot of design hiring is done by networking and done by uh, referrals. Just because sure. you know someone's skills. Because I know that you've, you've done a lot of work through referrals in the past. Oh, yeah. But would, like 90% of my jobs are from people that knew me. So 100%. Well, exactly. But that, that hasn't forced you to maintain a consistent online portfolio or anything. People who have worked with you know you're good and they know you've got these skills so they can rely on you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just super important to just have those connections. And that's why we're kind of doing this podcast too, right? Like we want to be able to like meet more people and to be able to be inspired by like the things that they do and to be able to learn like the, the stuff that, that they've learned and be able to share that stuff. Cause I feel like a lot of people just hoard that stuff. They find these things that work and they're like, I'm not going to share it with anybody, you know, like I'm going to keep this to myself because if somebody knows my, my secret and you know, I tell it to other people, then everybody's going to cop like, no, that's like, if somebody steals your idea and does it better than you you deserve to lose in my opinion because <laughs> hard like, hitting <laughs> like 100 percent. because you you should be able to like take that and be able to do 10 other home runs because these other people are going to be going and copying you they're going to spend you know like a month trying to do what you just did and by then you're already coming up with like 10 new ideas you're like way ahead of them right and this happened with facer there was i'm going to leave the other app you know unnamed but there was another app that basically literally every single time we came out with a new feature within like a week to two, like I would say like a one, one to three weeks, maybe ish, they would have yeah. that exact same feature. And I it was just like, me that actually. yeah. And, and the brand of Facer, I think was stronger and that's why they're still winning right now as they're, they're yeah. doing better because they're coming up with the ideas. They're not copying anybody's ideas. They're coming up with these ideas from like a business side and from like a strategic side and from an art side right like they're not just going and seeing what's like hot over here or what's hot over here and we're just going to steal this thing yeah. you know yeah all right i've just got one final question for you it's a big one without this role or without this ethos in companies do you think that those who neglect the importance of it are deprioritizing design as an important thing in the industry uh, sorry. So, what specifically the the brand side? So, a company that doesn't have the, a creative director role, uh, doesn't have a lead designer role, are the, is is that a detriment to the broader industry that they're mm. working in? I mean, I think it can be. I think some people naturally just understand creative direction and just understand how to like push a product a certain way, and so they're, in essence, they're kind of doing what a creative director would do. But 
I, I firmly believe that you need somebody that thinks at that level, like a hired brand, like cohesive level. And, and this sometimes like, you know, a lot of times I would defer to like my boss and see, you know, yeah. like which, which was the owner and see like what he thought about things too. Like he, he did a lot of the creative direction side too. So I'd kind of bounce ideas off of him. I'd go to the product manager. I'd bounce ideas off of them too. So I a hundred percent do believe that you need somebody that thinks in that way. You don't necessarily need a creative director, but you need a creative direction mindset if that makes any sense you need to be able to look at it that like ten thousand foot view because everybody works differently right not everybody can afford a creative director like it you know costs a lot of money to to hire somebody specifically to just be doing like that style of work too so i don't think it's absolutely necessary but you do need somebody that thinks in that way i'm glad we have the same opinion i was i was sort of leaning on the we need somebody because it's very comfortable for us as designers to say yeah you need us in your business but yeah. the reality is, as you, as you said, it's, it's expensive to hire someone to focus specifically on this kind of thing. Sure. And it's the, the businesses that succeed just have that creative flair from the outset and know how to solve problems in a creative way, not necessarily how to push pixels around the screen. Absolutely. It's how can we get more customers? How, who can we target to get more partnerships and clients? And how can we market ourselves better? You need these solutions for these problems to be creative. Yeah. And yeah. that's ultimately the goal of that role anyway. Yeah, we're like a half step from being psychologists too. It's kind of interesting when you think about or, it. Or manipulators. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to call myself a manipulator, but <laughs> VP. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was my last question. Cool. That was really cool. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me. It was, it was really fun talking about Facer. Um, so I just want to do a quick little plug for Facer because they're super awesome and they're helping support us right now. Um, you guys, if you are a designer, you should definitely check out Facer. They they have partner programs so you can kind of like design watch faces, make some money off of them. Um, and if you make it into the partner program, uh, I think that basically like you just get um, you get a percentage of those sales and stuff too. So yeah, definitely check out Facer. Them? Oh, so you can go to facer.io is their website. That's one of the places you can go to. You can download it on Android. You can download it on uh, iOS. You can download it on uh, the Samsung store. I was trying to think of what the name was. Kind of brain farting there for a second. So they're basically on <laughs> Tizen. They're on Android Wear. They're on iOS. They're on all the platforms. Great. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You got it. All right. Take it easy. It was fun. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. We just wanted to ask you one quick favor. We work crazy hard to bring the guests on and all the work that goes with it. We only ask you two things. The first one, if you aren't already subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Whatever platform you're using, we're pretty much on all the platforms. And second is to just share it with somebody you think would enjoy it. That's all. It would mean so much to us. Thanks, everybody. Peace.